Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 6, Episode 6 or 7, I forget. I don't know if we're living the lie or not. I'm a fun guy. The book, Planet of Twilight, by Barbara Hambly. The year, 1997. Chapters 11 and 12. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. I mean, I'm living a lie. Drag me to take hell. Uh, my jerk-off motion is one of the endless. I mean, or, you know, you can just cover R2-D2 in flesh. <laughs> Real fucking, is that, is that the, the HBO show, the, like, slightly racier than HBO's Real Sex? No, man, it's real fucking good. Oh, okay, fair enough. Because Real Sex sucked, so I was wondering if there was... Oh, well, like, yeah, that's why they had to put good after it. It's real fucking good. Good. Don't worry about it. It's not boring like Real Sex. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, and then they had to go back and change the name to Real Sex. Boring. I don't know. You probably didn't have the anxiety and, and uh, libido-increasing specific form of cancer that I apparently have, but you, you, did you ever stay awake just to watch HBO on like the Thursday night during their sex block package? I mean... Everyone did. You're, I, a, you're a man. You have two testicles and a dick, don't you? <laughs> I, I I mean, we never subscribed to any of those, mm-hmm. so it would only be like, you know, once a year, you uh, know, during the free HBO week. or Showtime would be like, here's a sample of whatever, yeah. and I would be like, oh, man, my dick, you are about to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like a two-hour block on a Thursday, and that's it. That's yeah. the one time, it, 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 once a year, for one shining moment. It's you're like, like the, oh, wow. Yeah. Of course... This was before the amazing prevalence of high-speed internet pornography. Yeah. yeah, back then it was nothing. If you didn't find it in the woods, you caught it for two hours on on uh, HBO once. Yeah, and then was, you just had to keep that in in reserve. Yeah, you had a memory bank at the time. Yeah, I had an amazing memory at the time. Yeah, I was like like the old storytellers of old. I could do the entire Odyssey from memory back yeah. then. But even even then, even in my my uh, my prime masturbating years. Uh, which God, someone's going to send us so many letters, um, <laughs> so many letters about their prime masturbating yeah, years. E- even then, like the <laughs> the HBO block never did anything for me because it was always that real sex, which was never any good. It was it was always like, eh, here's a room full of weird old people who are going to talk about their bindies or something. They're going to use <laughs> their, their bindles, their kundalinis, <laughs> and their yip yips. And you're just like, uh, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, why are you guys fetishizing the yip yips? <laughs> Every time, every time he turned on, he'd be like, oh, hot action. And he'd be like, these two 52-year-olds are so Midwestern that you can hear the payments that are missing on their Dodge or their Chevy Silverado. Yeah, the the big problem with that as well was like, you'd uh, you'd get that and you're like, Ugh, oh, what, what's coming up next? Ooh, taxi cab confessions? That sounds hot. And then it just wasn't either. No, it was not hot. It was boring. <laughs> like, God damn it. Taxi cab confessions was like cops without the fun chase scenes. <laughs> Ah. It's just like, hey, what you doing out this late at night? Uh, we're coming home from a fun club. Are you guys going to have sex when you get home? I mean, probably we're consenting adults and we're definitely drunk. You guys going to have sex back there? Oh, goodness, no. Why would we do that? Ew, in your cab? Yeah. Jesus, what, what else have these seats seen? They're <laughs> freshly slick and moistened at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- I, I, uh, I recently hosed them down with, with uh, New York water. <laughs> no other reason. <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm I'm sorry. This has been a long and pointless. This is thing. a long, pointless book. Yeah, well, that's also true. I mean, that's it's not entirely our, our fault. Anyway, let's 
let's uh, let's art thou board back into actually talking about <laughs> Star Wars. Art thou board? Yes, indeed. Not enough. So please bring on Planet of Twilight. So if perhaps you were someone who decided not to listen to our last episode for the April Fools, mm-hmm. uh, we only covered the very beginning of Chapter 11 there, so we were still on 11 and 12. I'll give you a real quick sum up of what we did talk about. Yeah, so basically the things we talked about, the uh, the watermelon lube was ultimately the favorite. <laughs> so go ahead. Han and Lando land on Nim Davros or something. Drovis. Drovis. Nim- Davros. Davros. Davros is the guy who wants to kill the doctor. Okay. <laughs> so Drovis. They're on Nim Drovis. The Drovians are there and they suck down frosting on a breathing tube yeah they use and they hate the other nimdrovians mem- the other nimdrovians who are the gaspo uh the gopso o the gapso o man i don't give a fuck about it's, this it's, at it's, all it's, <laughs> <laughs> and this is and we're not faking for a macho man randy no Savage this build. is not like oh man i've got to pretend i'm bored so we can get a gag out of this it's just maybe, so m- bad maybe i should take it then because i actually remember all those pretty good no man uh, there's a sure that I'll be there's a hodin and uh-huh. he's like eighty feet tall, he's, according to the book. He is eighty-three feet tall, according to the book, which is <laughs> which makes him very weird. He's like eight times the size of a regular Hoden, uh, and it never comes up. He just walks around inside the Falcon. Yeah, he just keeps fine. getting into buildings and stuff. It's weird. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Han decides to go off with the Nimdrovians for. No reason. He thinks Leia might be here based on no evidence. Yeah, he's like, look, I'm going to go hang out with these idiot, uh, like, fireplug, fireplug, weird, vanilla candle, pincher-handed. <laughs> All vanilla candles. P- vanilla candid, pincher-handed, fireplug douchebags. Every one of them's got a flared base. And uh, I'm going to do that because reasons? Anyway, if I'm not back in 20 minutes, take off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? If I'm not back in 20 minutes, wait for me. Yeah, because what do we, what's, I mean, I know your hurry is to find Leia, but is your hurry for someone else to find Leia where you get stranded and die on Nimdrovis? Yeah, you're like, oh, this is a planet full of dumb assholes that are constantly in a civil war. Well, the best thing I can do to try and help Leia is to get stranded here like a dumb fuck. Yeah, the other thing being that this planet definitely has like ways to get off planet, like you can go buy a ticket off planet and so on. So the idea that Leia, I, I guess he thinks Leia might be here and captured. I don't, I do not understand his rationale for, I got to go run around this planet. I mean, the real rationale is that uh, 3PO and R2-D2 are on this planet as well. Yes, yeah, but so so Han just goes out on a fun little walk. Like, it's he's just like, yeah, I want to go see what these soldiers guys, guys do for a while. Oh, it sucks. All right, I'm coming back. Yeah, it's just fucking so dumb and pointless. Like everything in the book. Man, we have really we got to find a way to revitalize our. I feel like our our relationship with this book is stagnating. John, do you think we should take it out for a candlelight dinner? No, I think we should take it out back and just put one in its head and <laughs> get it out of its and our misery. So he's gonna go hang out with the mainlander Drovians who are worried about the Gopso O tribe invading with uh, Bilal and Rush Gas, and also with their... Oh, Rush Gas. Rush Gas. Yeah, that's got to be the worst kind of gas. Yeah. Used to be, anyway. Now it's Alex Jones Gas. Used to be Rush Limbaugh Gas was the worst you could uh, get. Oh, see, I went to Rush Gas as in, like... The band? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is it? Your gas is just oddly very high-pitched? <laughs> and now I'm going to subject you to my gas for three deadly hours. 
Yeah. That's why Rush Limbaugh. Was it? How was it? Yeah, it's all right. Pretty good. It's it's not very interesting. Obama! (laughs) There you go. Great. You did it. (laughs) So anyway, uh, uh, okay. Sorry. Um, So he's going to go wander around with them and this Hoden doctor. Meanwhile, I guess that's the stuff we told you last week. So if you listened last week, you know about that. The next thing that happens is we check in with 3PO and R2 who have... Taken up residence as the music act in a Nimdrovis uh, watering hole? Well, I mean, they tried to uh, be like an entertainment thing for the Wookiees cod piece, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a bar around there. And we find out that because... He's a protocol droid. He has, like, every single piece of music from, like, the last 700 years or some shit stored in him. Oh, yeah. Plus, because he can speak every language as ever been, his vocal ranges are incredible, and therefore, it's he obvious can, he can easily synthesize singing. Yeah. So, and he can synthesize, like, uh, any sort of music as well. So, he's like, oh, yeah, I could just have a pitch-perfect version of any sort of song you want and r2's covered with weird boxes so he makes a perfect set of drums well that's later oh yeah sorry go ahead so to first he tries to do the fucking wookie's cod piece and the guy's just like dude you sound like a fucking jukebox i have one of those i don't give a shit get out of here yeah he's like oh <laughs> and we get another one of those things uh right after that where he's like well even if my programming hadn't allowed me to not argue with him and i'm like you keep bringing up that you're not allowed to, like, disobey or even argue with humans. But he does it all the time. Yeah, he very clearly argues with humans. And not just in the movies, but in this book as well. He'll get into little snippy arguments with them over shit. Not, it's not humans specifically. I wonder, I mean, he was built by Anakin, so there's a chance he might be a racist droid. Well, he does only ever say that he has to take orders from humans and he can't argue with humans. Yeah. Uh, so it's very possible that his programming is only human-centric. Yeah. But he gets in these snippy little arguments with it, and there's no way the guy running the Wookiee's cod piece was a human. I mean, he could have been. I mean, it's pretty unlikely, but yeah. Chances are it was another Drovian. But, you know, whatever. So now he's working at an even worse bar, and his solution to the problem that that his singing sounds too much like a jukebox is to sing worse? Yeah, so he gets a... I don't even remember what it's called, but it's basically like a bunch of bells that he plugs into himself Mm -hmm. so that when he is speaking or singing, as the case may be, it does little chimes and whatnot, Yeah, and then he gives... R2, just a fucking thing to bang on and be a drum. <laughs> He's like, here, here's a trash can, you little trash can. Here's some hometown spirit for you. Just bang on this. We're going to be the next stomp. And and it's his whole thing is like, well, sentience are unused to the perfection that is the normality of a droid. And therefore, I shall introduce a, a, a stutter in my rhythm. Once every 70,000 notes, I'll make a mistake or I'll, I'll skip a note or I'll in- introduce the wrong note. And this will this will calm their primitive brains. The uh, the place he is at is the Chug and Chuck. The Chug and Chuck. It's, by the way. It's no blue blurt of happiness, but... Uh, nope, but, I mean, after the Wookiee's cod piece, you gotta go somewhere. Yeah, I gotta, and that, that yeah. where is the Chug and Chuck? They made the mistake... Of, she made the mistake of starting with uh, the Wookiee's cod piece, thus necessitating a step down from that. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man, you started off at the best place you were gonna get to, and now it's just garbage from there. Yeah. Uh, the Chug and Chuck is basically one of those bars you only ever read about. Uh, it's full of people that are like half passed out or they're 
fighting with each other. And this is a this basically turns into an opportunity for the author to indulge in a little of that, throw as many sci-fi and fantasy terms at the wall as you can. Can uh, where, where she's just like in this corner, some flurgians are blurching a flork, that kind of thing. You know, I didn't, none of that was actually in there, but I do like her her new term that she's come up with for uh, for the prostitutes of the galaxy. Oh yeah, so there are. <laughs> Joy Boys and Lolly Girls. I'm not sure about this Lolly Girls situation. It's spelled like the candy, so let's. let's yeah, it's any, not. It's not L O L I. Yeah, anyone who's worried that they're all the Lolly Girls are just wearing like super fancy Victorian tea coats uh, could put that out of their heads. They indeed are. Well, I mean, we don't know. She doesn't describe them. No, she just mentions them briefly, and she doesn't call them Gothic Lolly Girls, so they're probably just too young, is all. <laughs> or they like candy, I guess. Uh, I mean the iconic picture of Lolita. She's got a way too big lollipop. So maybe it's way all, too big. Maybe it's just all of these things. Like the size of her head. Yeah. Oh god. So anyway, Joy Boys and Lolly Girls. Yeah. So this is a well, kind of bar where it's just what is here? Uh, people who are too drunk to be awake. People that are the like have the shittiest jobs on uh, Nam Drovis because it's the people who get rid of. The fungus and mold, which is carnivorous on the planet. So they have like flamethrowers and acid spitters and shit. And so they have just the worst job. So they get to drink here. And then also apparently prostitutes and pimps. Yeah. 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 And, and of course, we got all this from 3PO's point of view. So he'll say things like, uh, like, uh, those citizens for whom consumption of liquid befuddlement took precedence over defending their homes and families, if any, from the street fighting and sporadic progress all over the city were scarcely a promising lot. Now, you think, okay, that's kind of the little too verbose thing that you could expect from 3PO, but that's how everyone in this book talks. It's true. And I... I mean, there's that scene, we mentioned it in the previous episode where we also briefly talked about this, where when Han's like, I get, I, I got mad at one of these Drovians and I feel like taking a swing at him, but I shouldn't, because starting a Donnybrook in this situation would not be advantageous. No, no, I'm sorry, but no one in Star Wars is going to use the term Don Donnybrook at all. Yeah, no one's going to go into, a, into a, a light tavern and order a slumgullion of beef stews. Also, no one's going to see someone on the street and call them a Dickensian urchin as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's he's working in this crappity-ass bar playing vague bell-based and singing music. Bell drum and singing. Yeah, it's bell, bell drum DeVoe. He's playing some of that. Yep, there you go. <laughs> you never trust a big butt and a smile. That's what these droids always say. <laughs> okay, so... So he's hanging around in here playing music for people, and eventually what happens is a Chadra fan comes up and is like, yo, my dude, uh, that was a pretty decent rendition of whatever the fuck. Can you play, like, the man Mon Mandragren's Mondegreen's Fugue in K? Uh, it's apparently an extraordinarily complicated piece of classical music, and also it's ultra-famous and well-known, even though it's classical music, because the bartender objects. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, if if someone was like, hey, can you play some sonata or some fugue, That's you're going to, all, all the bartender says is, hey, none of that classical crap. Yeah, well, let's use the parlance of the room. He says, none of that festering classical chunder. Ah, uh, yes. I wonder how classical music is defined in a culture that has been static and un advancing for the past 25,000 years. Yeah, because he has 
probably about 700 years worth of music in his brain does 3PO. Yeah. And honestly, not a whole lot has changed in the Star Wars universe in 700 years. We read, what, Red Harvest, which was set 20,000-odd years ago or something? It's less oh, yeah. It was, it was mm, I want to say... What three thousand? Yeah, it was like three thousand years ago, and and they still had you know the same size fighter ships and everything. It's the, the civilization hasn't come to a complete and utter halt and started over again. So the idea of classical music is very confusing. Well, There's, I mean, just the term classical for it seems like it would be weird. Yeah, like you could say symphonic mm -hmm. could be a thing where you're like, oh, I don't want any of that type of music. Yeah, but classic is really only referred to as such because of it suggests a time period yeah which which is a very unusual thing to do in star wars because you i mean you go far back enough and you're just dealing with like the old republic but it's i mean people haven't really advanced all that much in, in all these de thousands of years i feel like if you said classical in star wars you would mean the old republic type music yeah you'd be like oh there's yeah. some fugue or whatever from like four thousand years ago that still survives yeah and then people get really mad when you play it because it's all stuffy sounding because back four thousand years ago everyone was way into like you know uh the butts. violas and violas and butts violas and butts yeah welcome to violas and butts it's how just, can i take your order it's just another uh, situation where you're like hey come on now what shouldn't it be like symphonic arrangements or something that he objects to and not classical music but anyway the the local parlance is festering classical chunder and so, the Chatter fan is like, okay, one, fuck you. Two, hey, every dumb asshole in here, I will buy your uh, silence by giving you a drink. We cool? We cool? Great. Here's some change. Go, go fuck off. Yeah. Now, 3PL plays this, this long, complicated piece of classical music to perfection. And it's so mathematical. It's like a... Perfect philosophical argument. Oh, it's so annoying. That, that's oh, it straight just tickles my logic circuits. Yeah. He, the, the, she, the, the description is it's it's a mathematical display of precision, like a logical, uh, like a philosophical discussion. And I was like, those are two very different things. <laughs> that's like saying it was like a really interesting story that a stoned guy told you. <laughs> uh, hey. I can hear an interesting story from a stoned guy. Yeah, except they never tell you one. They're always just like, hey, I was just stoned and I am presently stoned. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, you know, it's an oxymoron. It doesn't, ha it's not, it, it can have people who routinely get stoned but aren't presently stoned could probably tell you a pretty good story. Nah, man. I bet I can find me a stoned person right now that could tell me a good story. Okay, yeah, I I'm sure you could, probably. I mean, we uh, are in San Diego. I'm going to go out into the streets and find me a stoned gentleman. Mm -hmm. And come back and have him tell us, spin us a tale, he S will. Spin me a tale from yonder. Well, anyway, once the Chadger fan has heard the entire uh, fugue, uh, he's like, wow, that was wonderful. And then we start up a comedy of errors where he tries to walk the two droids out of the building without the bartender objecting. Well, the bartender is like, hey... Where's uh where's you guys' master, huh? Yeah. You guys uh you played pretty good. How about you and the chatter fan has to be like, Oh no, he belongs to my my buddy and I gotta I gotta get him back to the ship now. My, my buddy whose name I think is like Igpec Droog or something. Yeah, and this is where Again, <laughs> three PO has to start arguing with him like, mm -hmm. Oh, that's weird, because I'm not and then he's like, Hey, shut the fuck up. 
Hey, you, be quiet, because uh, I'm trying to... He has to even speak to him in Chadrafan, which is an audible, but very high-pitched and, and uh, chittery language that goes through very quickly. But yeah... Uh, but you assume that, like, a Drovian doesn't speak Chadrafan. Yeah, I know, but you can still tell that the two of them are talking to each other right in front of this bartender. But, like, uh, the... Basically, the bartender's like, hey, do you guys have masters? Because if not, I'm definitely going to steal you. Because you clearly have not learned your fucking lesson <laughs> from the last time we saw you two. You were just like, oh, I trust any random idiot who comes across the galaxy. Oh, it seems I've been stolen. Yeah. <sighs> Apparently, fucking droid theft is just rampant in this universe. Droid theft seems to work the same way as, like, dog theft. Where you just go get it and take it back to your house and it's yours. Because the dog's not going to object that bad, you know? Uh, the droid is just like, you see a droid walking down the street, you're like, hey, droid, get in my house. <laughs> well, you are human, so very well. Okay, uh, great, I'm going to close the door and then you live here. <laughs> mm, this is not advantageous to my current situation, but there's nothing I can do. Yeah, it seems like the programming uh, that uh, Barbara believes that droids have is... Not really conducive to being useful in a society. I'll tell you one thing. It really informs the Mos Eisley Cantina situation. Huh. Because when the guy was like, no droids, we don't serve their kind in here. It was because he didn't want the liability for them getting immediately stolen by another person in the in the building. Because <laughs> they were just like, oh, well, okay, fine. Bring in them droids. And then, like, soup guy would be like, ah, droids. Soup. You belong to me. Come along. And, and they'd be like, Come, you will come with me while I gather soup. And they'd be like, okay, well, we don't have a choice, so let's go. Well, or he'd make him stand outside and one of his buddies would come along and be like, hey, droids, come with me. You have to. <laughs> you get in, the, get in the truck. Okay. Very good. Very good, sir. Oh, all right. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to return us here later because that's what a human would do. Ha. Yes, of course it is. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Obviously, that is true. Yeah. I mean, they're just such rubes. It's so irritating. Yeah. But anyway, he's just I mean, it's the only thing that R2 really has going for him is that. He appears to be the only droid in the galaxy that understands that people are dicks. Yeah, he's the only droid in the galaxy that knows that shit. And also, he doesn't talk. Oh, and IG-88 understands that yeah. all too well, which all is why why IG-88 wants to kill people. Yes, and become the second Death Star, yeah. Go IG-88, I say. What I say is, live your best life, IG-88. I think, I think Forlom probably also knows pretty well. I mean, he's, he's a bounty hunter. He deals with the scum of, of the of the wor worlds. He knows people are shit. <laughs> He knows. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, the, what happens is basically, where's your master? And, and Repo's immediately like, well, I don't know where my master, blah, 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 blah. And the Chadger fan dude, a big dumb asshole. Yeah. And the Chadger fan's like, uh, oh, wouldn't you believe it? His, his owner programmed him not to say master because he was raised in a, in a communism thing. He so. was raised on communism and fed nothing but socialist ideas. That's so he's he's only instructed to call his friends fre or his his boss friend or comrade. And three PO's just like, no, I'm not. I'm definitely say master. I don't. I I have. I only call people master, and I don't have one here right now. It would be so easy to steal me. As a so as a protocol droid, I have no concept of inflection of tone. Uh. So yeah, it takes the chatter fan. Basically just telling him, hey, I'm trying to stop the bartender from stealing you. Mm -hmm. Please just go along with the dumb shit that I'm saying for him to finally go, oh, I get it. Mm, yes, I'll go along with the lie. My master is Luke Skywalker. Oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, fuck me. <laughs> uh, oh, my master is that orc guy from the last chapter I forgot the name of already. The orc guy from the last chapter. Yeah, the... the Remember we decided that the dude who kidnapped him the first time around was like an Oh, I thought you meant the literal last chapter. Oh, uh, the, yeah, maybe? I forget if the last chapter had them in it or not. Nah, man. 
Uh, yeah. So anyway, the Chadra fan, uh, do we eventually get his name? Yeah, it's like Yummy Yumdrek. Yeah. <laughs> I forget. It's too wise as his name. Uh, but he's Yarbulk like, Yem. Yeah, there you go. And he's just like, hey, man, uh, I'm a... I'm a reporter for the Daily Fuck Bean, and it's I'm the, here to tell you that you should probably quit being a goddamn moron and don't trust people. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm a reporter for the Tri-Nebulon News. Now, uh, I'm here to help you because I'm just your friend, and you played a good version of that song. And 3PO's like, well, that's wonderful. And let me tell you a bunch of state secrets. R2's like, beep, boop, shut the fuck up, moron. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't tell a bunch of state secrets to a reporter. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Luckily, this guy's so nice that he gives them money so they can buy their way off planet. He's like, here, just go find someone to take you off of this planet because, you know, Civil War is currently happening. I do and like. It's constantly happening. Here's something fun that, that I learned from this chapter, John. Uh, a long time ago, we established the exchange rate, the value of a band and a ticket off planet. Yep. Uh, we, we determined that it was 500 credits to get your very own band and a ticket off planet. Yep. Uh, now... At this point, Yarbulk gives them 20 credits so they can buy their way off planet, which means that we now know that it costs 20 credits to get off planet, which means we also know it costs 480 credits to assemble a band. I want to yes and this, mm -hmm. but I also want to be pedantic. So we don't know how much money uh, R2 has in his current little hat. That's fair. Because he does have basically a hat that's sitting on his head that they were collecting money from. Mm -hmm. And we know they got 10 from the bar keep. Yeah. And they did get at least one from somebody else. Well, Yarbolt gave them some, some coinage as well. And Yarbolt gave them some to start, and yeah. we don't know if anyone else gave them any. So the actual rate, we can't be 100% Plus, sure. Plus, it might be more expensive to buy a ticket off-planet from uh, Tatooine, which is not a Republic world, than Nimdrovis, which is. Or it might be more expensive to buy one off of Nimdrovis because it's a piece of shit planet that sucks. Yeah, it's a, well, I mean, let's be fair. They're both trash plants that are for garbage idiots. Oh, yeah. It's just one is all desert and one is all rain. Yeah. And they should just get together and make one functional planet. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, at this point... Yarbulk realizes he's not going to get any further information out of these droids, so he gives them some money so they can get off planet, suggests they use the name Igbok Dren or whatever the fuck it was. He's like, yeah, this is... He's an actual some, traitor. Some actual dude who is a traitor. Do not try to buy tickets off planet as droids. You'll just get stolen by the ticket guy. Yeah, literally anyone around you, if they do not think that the person who owns you is looking at you, will attempt to steal you. Just think of everyone as a shitty pickup artist at a bar. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I have a boyfriend. Was he here? <laughs> What's your man got to do with me? <laughs> Again. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> uh... Okay, so he, yeah, he gives them a name they can use to buy uh, tickets off planet as, as, as a human person. Uh, then he disappears over a bridge. At this point, we cut back to what's well, going on with Han. At this point, they see yeah, Han Solo. They see Han Solo. Because the fucking uh, Gopsolo are attacking. Yeah, they're being attacked. The, the, the Nimdrovians that have top knots are attacking the Nimdrovians that do not. Yeah, uh, and the Sneeches on the beaches. <laughs> the star-bellied Sneeches. And the whole battle falls back to uh, whether toast should be buttered on the top or the bottom. So, yeah. Right at the end of this little section, uh, they look out and they see some Nimdrovians and a Hodin and mm -hmm. Han Solo. And they're like, oh, fuck, that's Han Solo. Oh, oh he'll, he'll be so pleased to see us. Let's totter over there slowly. And indeed, they attempt to. Meanwhile. 
Meanwhile, Han Solo is like, I don't know why I came out here. This is dumb of me. <laughs> this sucks. I hate it here. I'm a real stupid idiot for doing this. Yeah. And uh, they get kind of, they're, they're firing at, at the Gopsa-O, and uh, it, the uh, the doctor, who appears to have never held a blaster before, is trying to help. And uh, Han is just looking for an escape vector, which he does by looking up into the architecture for a good long time, so he can describe it to us in great detail. Yeah, I just, I understand. And I mean, it's not interesting, but I understand when you do something from the point of view of C-3PO and everything's kind of weird and long-winded and he describes things like way too much because I go, okay, sure, whatever. He's he's a droid and he's just taking in a lot of information. Yeah, he takes in information quickly and he has a lot of time to process that information because he thinks quickly. But Han Solo is currently being shot at and he's like, huh, you know, on Nimdrovis, because it rains a lot, a lot of their architecture is very sturdy. Now that I look at it, there's... Good, strong stone and heavy beams all over the place. In fact, and I'm like, my dude, you are not thinking about who built a bridge right now. You are being shot at. No, he's he's definitely just reciting the lyrics to Bodyguard by uh, Paul Simon in his head. He's just like, ooh, I see angels in this architecture. <laughs> Spinning in infinity. Uh, uh, he's just, I don't know why, but yeah, he has this See, long... I just imagine that when he goes into battle, in his head while he's killing people, he's just going, Whoa, look at that, roly-poly little bat-faced guy. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, anyway, he, he has this long, pointless thought to himself about how architecture works here, as opposed to how it works on other planets. Yeah, uh, oh, because it rains constantly here, buildings are made sturdy, unlike other planets where they are made of, I, I don't know, paper? What? what? I think he, does he go Corellia for his comp, for his other planet, because that's where he's from, where it's like, I, oh, everything's yeah. built all pretty on Corellia, like the famous beautiful spires of Coronet City. I think one of my favorite things about the Solo movie is that it redefines Corellia from Castle Planet to, you know, sh fucked up shitberg. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be... An industrial shipbuilding planet. Yeah. It should be that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, the reason he, he's thinking about the architecture so much is because he takes a grappling gun that he has and shoots a beam with it to make a little swingy dingy so he can swing to safety. That's right. He does indeed make a swingy dingy <laughs> right there in the text. I don't it doesn't even say there's a hole he has to get over or anything that I could determine. He was just like, uh, we have to escape. All right, everyone swing on this. And even then, that prompts a bunch of discussion because... Well, yeah, the Drovian's like, well, I am pretty fat. He's <laughs> like, this thing can hold a thousand pounds. Just chill out. He just says it can hold a thousand, thankfully. It doesn't actually use... A, a thousand Drovians! It doesn't say the unit of measurement that he's using. A, a, a thousand standard weight units. Yes, it holds a thousand stone. <laughs> of course, you know, by a thousand, he really meant to say a hundred. It's just that uh, the Hambly really... The Hambly has no idea what measurements are. Off time with decimal points. <laughs> Uh, so everyone dies here, but no, they just they all swing over. I don't know a gap or something, and they all, they all make well, it's, it. There's uh, all of these canals all over the city because that's sort of where the rainwater drains since it constantly rains. Yeah, but it is also where all of the like carnivorous mold and fungus grows. Yeah, and no one had uh, swept this area out, so the reason they had to like get over this gap was. They have Drovians on one side of, or, well, Gopso, who are also Drovians technically, on one side of them. And on the other side, like a pit full of carnivorous moss. Yeah. So they had to get over it somehow. And indeed they do. But then the moss starts chasing them or something? 
There's a dramatic e- escape from Moss at the that marks the end of this section. Well, the, the whole thing is them just being like, "Man, it sure would suck to fall into Moss." Yeah, boy, howdy, would that be bad? Yeah, we would get melted. I wonder how fast that works because they don't really get into it. They're like, no. "Oh no, if I went down there, that would kill me." I'm like. But how fast would it? Like, would it go through your boots and your leg immediately? Or what are we talking here? What well, I understand is why the 80-foot tall Hodin that's with them doesn't just pick oh, them just up. Oh, just pick them up and put them on the other and side. And just step over it. I mean, he's enormous. He's bigger than a Gorax. Or, I mean, if he wants to, he can just lie down and put his arms on the other side and just walk across them like a bridge. Behold, I am a mighty bridge. <laughs> there. Now, Han Solo, you can get to Terabithia. <laughs> Well, first, I want to stand here for a second and compare the architecture of this lying down Hodin to the bridges of Corellia. <laughs> you know, Hodin are interesting. Let me <laughs> wax poetic on them while... Oh, you just got blasted to death you by know, some little butt plug man. The way you said that made me picture him spinning his baseball cap around before he affected a voice <laughs> yeah, in a one-man you know, show. There's some pretty interesting characters here on Corellia. You know, like my friend, the 80-foot-tall Hodin. You know, he would say things like this. <laughs> Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. (laughs) (laughs) I would have seen you there if you were 80 foot tall like my friend the Hodin. Anyway, uh, 3PO and R2 are tapping after him, yelling as loud as they can, but but, uh, Han can't hear them over blaster fire. Yeah, because apparently the beepity boops from R2 are just standard volume beepity boops, and because he is a protocol droid... C-3PO can't raise his volume above a certain level? Very unusual, considering that you'd think that of the six million forms of communication, some of them would be pretty loud. You would think that? And then it'd be like, oh, yeah, if you need to uh, converse with this race, their whole thing is they scream at each other exceedingly loudly. We call them humans. (laughs) We call them podcasters. (laughs) But... No, apparently he's like, oh, no, my poor uh, protocol droid speakers just can't put out the volume that we need to get his attention. And now what will we do? Oh, no. And I'm following R2 around, and he's a big, dumb asshole. I bet he doesn't even know where he's going. Oh, there he is. There's Han Solo. R2 is smarter than me. I don't know why I continue to think he's an idiot. R2, you'd think, would probably have some sort of short-range comlink functionality built into him because he is... Almost exclusively a communication unit, uh, and yet they don't try to call Han Solo. He's not a communication He's unit. An astromech droid, fine, but that means he has to be able to interface with ships, which means you should be able to try to radio the fucking Falcon. Nah, man, it's like saying that my GPS should be able to make phone calls, which Your it can GPS now. Can make phone calls, but we're talking about in a fantasy setting where they never combined GPSs and smartphones. They're all just, just had different to have a droids. GPS. Yeah, you just had to have a Garmin sitting there that was sentient and was like. Hey, you got to turn left. Also, uh, it's a living. Hey, maybe some rights. <laughs> Can I get a leg or something? Nah, man, we're gonna throw you in the garbage and replace you with a synth map. <laughs> One synth map, please. Uh, so anyway, even though it would have been great to get three PO to have something move forward plot-wise in the book by having any two groups of disparate main characters reunited, that doesn't happen. And Han and Lando no, the, and Chewie get away. The uh, the two of them manage to. Like, get to the, uh, the, whatever the cargoes, not the cargoes, and the, uh, the shipyard. And 3PO's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, R2. Let's go there. And indeed they do, but they get there, and Han just runs into the Falcon and it takes off. 
And I have never been angrier at a chapter in this book because I was just sitting there going like, oh, fuck, finally. Okay, now we're going to start consolidating some of the characters. Like, we're almost two-thirds of the way through this book. We should probably start consolidating characters and getting to the point. And when he takes off and leaves the two of them there, I was like, you motherfucker. You're going to have an entire other chapter on this fucking planet with these two idiot droids again, aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I hate you yeah, so much. Yeah, a whole other chapter here, and probably Yarbulk Yem will show up again. Or... He'll be like, oh, I thought you were going to get off planet. And I'll be like, oh, you know. Oh, well, we, we decided not to buy transport off planet because we're idiots. Even though you gave us the money, I gave it to a human because he asked me if I had any. Oh, oh I'm so dumb. R2, uh. R2's just like, please just hand me the money. Please just hand me the money. <laughs> oh, R2, I would never. <laughs> I'm human cyborg relations. I should be the one to talk to people because I'm a big dumb asshole who can't tell anything about what everyone's saying. <laughs> the perfect thing to have in a protocol droid. Now, you may think we've spun our wheels an awfully long time on Chapter 11, leaving short shrift for Chapter 12, but Chapter 12 is one of them half, half Luke, half Leia chapters where the two of them kind of very slowly catch up to what we, the readers, already friggin' know. The main issue I have with this book and I was mentioning this to Jeff earlier, is it almost wants to be a mystery book mm -hmm. in that it's like, ooh, everyone's trying to find out information of what's going on, except we know what is going on immediately within the first few chapters, which means all we're doing is watching while people slowly try to catch up to us. So this is the, this is the first section here goes to Luke. Uh, Luke has been assigned to, as we mentioned in uh, two episodes ago, he has been assigned to go and pick up supplies from a space uh, drop that's about to happen. Some some tiny ship or satellite or something is going to crash land out in the, in the crystal desert, and he's going to go out there and pick up the load. But, uh, he's not trusted enough yet to guard the, uh, the the pickup squad, so he's on the pickup squad instead. Yeah, he's, the dr he's a driver. He's taking yeah. his speeder that he fixed up and now, going out there. The first thing that happens is that he gets orders to do so from a fellow by the name of Gurney Caslow, who was Seti Ashgad's kind of right-hand man here in this town. Uh, but... He has to have some thoughts that only a C-3PO would have at the beginning. Of, <laughs> at the beginning of this, he's like, the first sentence of this chapter is Luke was was tempted to tell Gurney Caslow to take his orders and ideas and stuff them in his pocket and walk to perdition with them. That's not no one even thinking in your own mind would ever say anything remotely like that. Yeah. But anyway, that's what he's thinking. Uh, then he's like, okay, well, I guess I got to go out in this part of the desert and have long, boring thoughts about the economy here again, again, for the fourth time you've seen me in a row. This and time he's, he's, he's thinking about exports and he's like, who would want any of these stupid foods that they grow here? I've been eating tomatoes and blurred extrusions for days and it fucking sucks. Yeah. His whole thing is he's like, you know, Seti Ashgad seems to be real fucking wealthy. And yet, where is the money coming from? Because it's not like you'd sell anything here to off-planet, really. And it's not like the emperor who banished Daddy Ashgad here would have left him any sort of money when he did so. How is it that he has all this cash? This is also the first chapter where we learned that uh, Ashgad was apparently, like, right up there in terms of who would be emperor. Like, there was a point where, where... Oh, we learned that before. Oh, yeah. That the Emperor banished him here because he was like, don't try and take over my shit. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's a point where the Emperor was basically an elected... That in this era, in this book, we kind of get the idea that the Emperor is like an elected thing. 
Well, Good it's the same thing from the prequels. He took it over after being in the Senate. Yeah, but the the thing is, he he took it over by you know doing crimes. He didn't take it over by being like legally elected emperor. He, I mean, he was he, legal elected chancellor. Well, he 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 did take it over by being elected. You no, know, he took he was he was elected chancellor, just like Chancellor Valorum before him, given the most o- obvious name in all of Star Wars. But um, he was also given uh, the extreme war powers and all of the other. But they basically made him the head of everything. They made him a de facto emperor. Fair enough. But then he didn't change that, take that title until there was an empire to have that him be the empire emperor of. He is the first and only emperor of the empire. Yeah. In fact, the second emperor of the empire is also him. <laughs> Just with more U's in his name. Yeah, he gets cloned. <laughs> He doesn't have any. He's kind of stuck on sheave. <laughs> kind of like if Monterey Jack yeah. found him. Monterey Jack finds Palpatine sheave. All right. So, but so, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. so he's like, no, uh, he can't have money to start with. He had to have gotten money somewhere. And the weapons that he provides, it's not like they are secondhand garbage bullshit. Like he's actually giving good modern weaponry to these people yes yeah he's arming the people which means he's spending a lot of money uh but where's the money coming from how's he being kept rich what's going on exactly he thinks to himself as he blasts out into the desert night with a bunch of other random new towners uh and then sure enough a satellite comes down from space uh and you can hear the gunfire in the distance as uh theron's old timers try to try to uh, raid the spot and destroy the weaponry and Uh, basically what happens is they just sort of shoot a missile full of goods into the planet so that it doesn't have to be like, oh, we're a big fucking ship and we'll get shot down. They're like, whatever. We'll just, like, shoot a capsule full of nonsense at the planet. Yeah, which even has retro rockets, so it lands nicely. Uh, but when they get there, there's Theron's trying to get it so he can hear the crackle of gunfire in the distance. But we don't actually get involved with any of that because that might be interesting. Uh, so instead, we just unload a crate full of weaponry. And that's when Luke realizes a dark, uh, two dark secrets in a row. Number one, a lot of these weapons are from the Lorinar Corporation. Oh, gosh, the same evil corporation from every other recent recent discovery of any kind. <laughs> uh, they're the ones who make synth droids and those synth fighter ships and, and apparently blasters. Yep. Um, and also... That about half of these weapons are holdover weapons from the adamantine uh, Princess Leia's ship for the, the beginning. Borealis. The Borealis and the adamantine. Yeah. The two ships that made up that flagship or, or that uh, squad. Oh, well, yeah, because he picks up one of the blasters and he's like, oh, this is, this is the same type of blaster that the Republic uses. And these are new. Like, they got them this year. And I had a chance when I was bored to just, you know, fuck around with these and shoot a few of them and... Oh, hey, wait a minute. When I hold this up to the light, I can see the Republic branding on the fucking stock of it. Yeah. And it says it came from the Borealis. Oh, fuck. And then he finds the one that specifically uh, Han got for Leia because it's got a special stock on it. And it also, it's a different kind of gun entirely. It's a Flash 1. <laughs> the Flash 1. A terrible name for a gun. Uh, but yeah. Grod Zero. <laughs> Uh, also, I like this idea that Han specifically requested medi- uh, military equipment for, for Leia. I mean, that's some pompous bullshit. He's like, look, Han, I got you a special thing. Oh, oh, wait, no, I just made sure that you got a better gun than your soldiers, even though you never need a gun. Yeah, here, I made sure that our ambassador has a, like, cool gun, which I guess if you, I mean, the same thing if someone were to be like, oh, I like weapons and they got me like a cool pearl handled 
revolver or whatever and be like, okay, cool. Yeah, but I, guess. I don't give a shit. No, but I can at least there think Han might do that. Yeah, I He guess. might be like, dude, this is cool. I'm going to give it to my girl. I mean, unless he, like, bought that thing at a gun store, it still feels like he was just swinging Requisitioning his, something yeah, better. He was just swinging his weight around in a military capacity as a general of the uh, of the Republic. Yeah, he's just sitting there on a fucking spreadsheet going, like, all right, we need 500 of these blaster rifles. Yeah. We need 200 battery cores. Ooh, a special thing. Let me order one of those for me. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds romantic that he's like, he got a special gun for Leia, but really it just meant he caused a pain in the ass supply chain issue for a whole lot of other people for no fucking reason. Huh? Leia can buy her own guns, you pompous dickweed. <laughs> Hey, it's a gift. It's not a gift. He didn't pay for it, and he made a bunch of other people work to get it. You don't know that. I guess that's true. Like I said, it's okay if you bought it at, like, gun store or something. At, at gun store. Yeah. Well, yes, mother, these are my rewards from Army. Chances are he actually found it in, like, Palpatine's apartment or something. It was like, here, a gift for you. I've, I've got this for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, <sighs> again... At least that's Han. Yeah, that is Han to be a dick like that. Okay, so uh, that's pretty much all that's going on with Luke. I mean, yep, that's the Luke business. Luke manages to find out, oh, hey, City Ashgad probably fucking killed everyone on board those ships, or at least ransacked them. Yeah, now if you're also worried that he didn't spend some time this chapter whining about how much he's in love with Callista, uh, you should not be, because he does. I mean, it's very little, but he yeah. is like, oh, did... Did my beloved find out what was going on with Ashgad and his money, and that's why she fled? Oh, my Callista. Also, he has a moment to think about how Tesselda's tied up in all of this, because he's just, he's just doing some Encyclopedia Brown shit, like, too early. He doesn't have all the evidence yet, but he's still like, well, what if this person said this to this person? And that would be weird, because Tesselda would be involved. <laughs> uh, anyway, we should probably cut to... Leia, who is also slowly realizing things. Yeah, well, Leia, for the first time since she has been here, wakes up clear-headed because... Uh, Legaeus. Legaeus gave her a non-drugged pitcher of water the previous night. So she actually managed to not dehydrate herself and shake off the effects of the sweet blossom. Yeah, so she's undrugged, so she immediately starts, like, gathering her, her wits and getting ready to do something when Legaeus comes in. And, uh, <laughs> I do like that when she's no longer on the drug, she's like, oh, I've been sleeping in, like, bug filth yeah, this whole she time. Yeah, realizes that, that, that she's been sleeping in a big, a big drock nest. She's like, oh, because this isn't in sunlight. And, like, there's a point where she flicks one off of her into the sun and it just dies. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's fucking disgusting. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to probably shove her bed into the sunlight. But basically, yeah, she's like, ew, gross. Because of the drugs, I didn't notice all these bugs I've been sleeping in. Legaeus comes in to visit and he's got another pitcher of good, clean water, uh, and he, which he intimates. He's like, uh, I, I feel like the drug has been wasted on you, and it's not like Seti Ashgad's going to check up on you anyway. Yeah, because, again, as we mentioned a couple chapters ago, Ashgad is leaving. Yeah. He's going to go into town for three days, which means she is alone with Beldorion and Dazim for a couple days, mm -hmm. and Legaeus is pretty much the only one here that will be remotely nice to her, and tries to help her out here. 
yeah, he's basically running interference because both of those two are terrifying and he doesn't want her to have to deal with them. So he's like, he's like, just keep this door locked. No matter what you hear from Dazim, don't let him in here. I changed the lock code. So I'm the only one who knows it. So Beldorion and Dazim can't get in here. Yeah, Beldorion won't even try, but Dazim might. It's just that he doesn't. He doesn't have a brain for computers. It's, it's he, he's different than that. Oh, he's a little different. Yeah, Yellow. This is our <laughs> Nuprin. It's nice. This is just a hint we're getting that that Dazim is something weird, because they also he also mentions that Dazim is a native of of uh, Paducas Chorios, whatever planet the fuck we're on. Nam Chorios. This is Nam Chorios, right? Not Nimdrovis. Nam Chorios. Yeah, and not Paducas Chorios, which is another nearby Chor planet in the Chorios sector. Uh, no, Nam Chorios. And Leia's like, there are no natives of Nam Chorios before the. The what's your faces made this into a prison. The space Australians made this into a prison planet. Uh, the, the, there were no, there was just rocks here. And he's like, mm, he's yes. a, he's a native. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm weird. I think it's weird that she would, I mean, I am weird as well, but I think it is weird that she would argue, take, with take that to mean that he is a native as in like native to the planet and not an old timer. Oh yeah. Because I would have assumed she'd just go, when he said, like, oh, yeah, he's a native, she would go, oh, as opposed to one of the newcomers. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, Legaeus does start off that conversation by being like, he won't be able to use computers to get in here. He can't do computers. His brain is weird. He doesn't do machines. He yeah. needs Donatello for that. Yeah, he like he specific, just flat out says his brain can't do computers, which is a weird thing to say. So I think Leia picks up that he's not human, at least. And is like, well, what is he then? Because she says, what is he? And the response is, a native of the planet. Yeah. And uh, she at least comes around to finally being like, okay, I do believe that he can indeed control the Death Seed. Yeah. Whatever he's got, he can give it and take it away. Yeah. So, I think at this point, I think it's very obvious that he is, in fact, a Drock. Oh, I mean... If not a drock, then at least like a cloud of them, <laughs> like a trench coat full of them. <laughs> yeah, one of those. He's one of those two things. And Beldorion, I don't think he could get up here anyway. He's forty-five feet fucking long. He can't go down the hallways. <laughs> sure, he can, because these are built for Hodin. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, he he does remind her to stay in the sunlight as much as possible, and also is like, well, now that you're not on drugs, here's a bunch of hollow videos you can watch. Because if you're not stoned out of your mind, being a prisoner here is going to suck balls. <laughs> yeah, so I, I brought you a bunch of hollow videos. Uh, which she's Here like, you go, here's Grown Ups 2. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> one copy, watch it once a day, please. Do a <laughs> podcast about it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great. But anyway, once he closes the door, she like runs to a, a drawer where they've stored all of her fancy senator jewelry. Well, yeah, because he gives her... Oh, as well as the hollow videos, yeah. he gives her a, a comm link and says, okay, uh, you know, Dazim shouldn't be able to get in here, and if you get any invitations from Beldorion, just refuse them. But if anyone does manage to get in here, here's a comm link. It will come directly to me, and I will attempt to stop anything from happening. Yeah, he's going to run interference, effectively. Like, it's okay for her to go to lunch at Beldorion's house if she wants to eat more gross, bloated fleas or whatever. But don't. But don't. And also, if you get forced to, then call me, and I will also be there. Um, and also stay in the sunlight. But anyway, the moment that he... Uh, he leaves, and the door locks behind him. She rushes to a drawer full of jewelry and starts using the jewelry to pick apart the uh, comm link because she's going to recode it to call whoever she wants. Well, she's using it to change the beam. The beam. Yeah, the beam inside the comm link from being a, uh, like a beam that is 
for communicating into one that actually lets her change things because she uses the comm oh, right. link yeah, yeah, yeah. to then hack the panel. That's right. I forgot about that. It's not that she's trying to turn it into an open cell phone. She's just turning it into a hacking tool. Yeah, she's not jailbreaking the comm link. She's yeah. just turning the little, like, infrared beam on there into an actual laser. I did like that she felt that reassuring hardness at the small of her back as well. Oh, yeah. I love feeling that reassuring hardness. Yeah, because that's where she, she has a lightsaber hidden in her robes. Uh, but yeah, there's a point where she like remembers it's back there by going, and I just felt the reassuring hardness of a lightsaber. Also, <sighs> man, you got a lightsaber. What are, what are you freaked out about exactly here? Well, she's not very good with it. I mean, she's, she has a little bit of training, but nowhere near on the level of like Luke's training. Eh. I mean, to be, yeah, she could probably just ignite the lightsaber and cut her way out of the place now. Yeah, but she wants to hack into it so that she can get in and out when she wants to, mm -hmm. so that <laughs> her plan is to leave the room and see what she can find, but if anyone, like, sees her or if, like, Dazeem starts to come after her or whatever, she's like, I can run back into the room and lock it again. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, he may not know computers, but he probably knows knocking down a door. Well, I don't think he's got super strength. I think he just has weird well, that's the other disease thing is, powers. Is presumably his disease powers are very efficient because is that door stopping them? Because it sure didn't Maybe. stop it, it sure didn't stop him from killing everyone on those spaceships. And there's lots of doors on spaceships. Maybe it's sunlight that stops it. So that's why he's like, oh, be in the sunlight because he can't affect you if you're in sunlight. Yeah, that's almost definitely true. And I bet Dazim himself probably is never actually in sunlight. Yeah, I mean to be to be fair, he does go out into space and stand in front of windows and stuff. But but the whole fact that you know you get more sun when you're in space than less is often lost on people. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there you go. That's. Uh, that that's the end of Leia's chapter. She's getting she doesn't escape. She's getting ready to because well, yeah. she she opens the door and that's the end of it. Because if there's one thing that we we are allergic to here at uh, Planet of Twilight Review Stories, it's forward progress of any kind. Yeah, moving forward in the plot at all is just anathema. So we have in the entirety of chapter twelve is Luke realizes Seti Ashgat is bad. All right, what's the rest of it? Leia realizes that Dazeem is probably some sort of weird thing. That's it. Anyway, that's a whole chapter here. Yep. Good job, everybody. We did it. Well, there you have it. That's two more chapters of Planet of Twilight. Uh, a, a book. A book. <laughs> it uh, is definitely, technically a book. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week with yet more content. And, of course, we'll have bonus content for uh, those of you who are $2 donors or above on the Patreon that's patreon.com slash system mastery. Yeah, you go there, subscribe at the $2 or more level, you unlock our bonus content, and you unlock some bonus content for system mastery. And if you go up to the $5, ooh, you get that monthly afterthought, That's that the most hot, you can good, get. sexy afterthought. That's on average seven episodes of bonus content a month. I mean, come on. It's so good. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. Stop by our Patreon and support us. Otherwise, find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. I've been Jeff, that's been John, and we are Expounded Universe. And until next time, I'm Benny Lansley's Bagani. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm drunk. <laughs> I'm kicking it over to John. I'm Benny Lansley's Bagani, and I'm going to rethink my life. <laughs> You're a wonderful human being. I love you guys so much. I have a destic. And it was so delicious. <laughs> 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 <laughs>